from our guests and uh, more news headlines uh, in just a moment. I'm Celeste Katz. Before that, though, here is our Friday commentary by Glenn Ford of Black Agenda Report. If the United States launches another airstrike against Syria, understand that it will be to protect al-Qaeda, the same Islamic jihadist terrorists that are blamed for bombing the World Trade Center. Al-Qaeda controls Idlib province, which is the last large bastion of the jihadist war against the secular Arab government of Syria. The United States has armed, financed, and given diplomatic cover to these jihadists in Syria and in Libya since 2011. It was President Obama's version of a smart war, as opposed to George Bush's dumb war, as Obama put it, in Iraq. Instead of U.S. boots on the ground taking daily casualties in a foreign war, Islamic jihadists would become the foot soldiers of U.S. empire, just as they had done in Afghanistan against the Soviet Union. The Iraqi resistance and the American people's disgust with the Iraq war forced President George Bush to agree to withdraw from Iraq in his second term in office. It was a great humiliation for the superpower to be defeated by a third world nation's resistance and by public opinion at home. But it was much worse than that from the standpoint of U.S. military planners. Effectively, the debacle in Iraq had made the huge U.S. land army, the most expensive army in the world, unusable in Middle Eastern wars because the American public would not stand for another Iraq. However, there were still regimes that the United States wanted to overthrow. First on the list, Libya and Syria, governments that had long been obstacles to U.S. domination of the Middle East and all of Africa. Without the option of using its own land army, the United States turned to al-Qaeda, its old ally from Afghanistan. When the so-called Libyan rebels rolled into Tripoli, the capital of Libya, the U.S. corporate media hailed them as liberators, freedom fighters against Muammar Gaddafi's regime. A few months later, after Gaddafi had been murdered by these gunmen, CNN discovered what many of us already knew, that the commander of the forces that took Tripoli after heavy NATO bombardment was a guy named Abdul Hakim Belhaj. Belhaj was a longtime al-Qaeda commander who'd been arrested in Malaysia and tortured by the CIA when he fled Afghanistan after the fall of the Taliban. The CIA handed him over to Gaddafi in Libya. Gaddafi jailed Belhaj, but released him as part of a truce with the jihadist opposition. When the U.S. decided that it was time for regime change in Libya, they armed Belhaj and his men and told the American people that these jihadists were righteous rebels fighting for freedom. Not only was Libya destroyed, but the entire northern tier of Africa was set ablaze, giving the United States an excuse to occupy most of the continent with its military command, AFRICOM. Washington then sent its jihadists to destroy Syria, but Russia and Iran and Lebanese militias intervened, and now al-Qaeda is largely confined to Idlib province. 
The New York Times doesn't even mention al-Qaeda in Syria anymore. But the French news agency reports that the late Osama bin Laden's army controls 75% of Idlib province. The Syrian army is now moving to crush the jihadists once and for all. But Donald Trump is once again using false claims of Syrian chemical weapons attacks as an excuse to rescue Washington's al-Qaeda head choppers. So, when you hear about the next American airstrike on Syria, remember who the U.S. is really protecting. I'm Glenn Ford, Black Agenda Report, and this is listener-sponsored, non-commercial WBAI New York. A boy's born in Hardtown, Mississippi, surrounded by four that ain't so Welcome back to this special edition of Waking Up here on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz. I am sitting in for Juliana Forlano. Uh, we have a lot more news uh, coming up, some more great guests in this second hour of a uh, special edition here of uh, the morning program. Wishing you a good morning from a beautiful, sunny Warm Brooklyn, New York. Uh, our studios here on Atlantic Avenue, and uh, I like it here. I enjoy being here. I've had a lot of opportunity. It's uh, personally important to me uh, to to be able to be part of of independent uh, community listener supported radio. And uh, I think anybody who's listening to uh, the sound of my voice right now knows that here at WBAI, uh, we really give you a a, a big a big array, uh, you know, a dramatic array, I would say. We have commentary, public service programming, arts and culture, music, news, and a lot, a lot of programming that you really just do not get anywhere else. Uh, BAI has a long history here in, in New York, and we want to keep breaking that new ground for you. So uh, I'm going to take a moment to ask you to help us do that. And the way you can do that is give us a call and make a pledge uh, to support continued independent programming here at WBAI. Our number is 
620-3602-516-620-3602. You can just also go to uh, WBAI.org and click the donate button. Uh, Right now, it'd be great if you could uh, consider giving a donation to our More Than Mike's campaign. This is something that a lot of us here at the station are very excited about. We are in the process of building a new master control studio. It is uh, is soundproof. It has uh, new equipment, equipment that's not older than me. And we do have, in fact, some of that equipment that we are working here. We want to give you a better sound, uh, more room for guests, uh, you know, just make this a better experience for people uh, in the studio, but much more importantly, for those of you who listen to and appreciate WBAI every day, 516-620-3602, donation. And if you think about it, it's not that much over the course of uh, a month, just a couple of dollars really a day, even less. And uh, you can have the opportunity to actually come in and see this new studio that you helped us build. And you can do it during a live broadcast of whatever your favorite show is. Could it be? You know, it could be waking up. It could be Democracy Now. It could be. Uh, it could be Driving Forces. It could be uh, any one of these things. But uh, the most important thing, of course, is that uh, th- this is not a sort of a, a quid pro quo. If you would uh, like us to thank you on the air, we're happy to do that. If you would like to uh, remain anonymous, we're happy to uh, do that for you. But the important thing is, if you're listening to the sound of my voice right now, the chances are that. That, uh, you wake up with WBAI that you know maybe you listen to us as you're heading into work you're starting your day uh, maybe during a, a break maybe uh, coming home from work in the evening uh, as you're relaxing catching up with uh, what's going on want to listen to some some music want to listen to some uh, people talking about culture and activism and uh, what's going on in New York what's going on in the world the best way to help us keep doing that is to just give us a call as as much or as little as you can afford we appreciate every pledge that we get 516-620-3602 again 516-620-3602 you can do it right online go to give to that's the number two WBAI.org, or you can just text WBAI to 41444 on your smartphone. Um, and uh, we appreciate uh, we appreciate all your support. Uh, you can also become a WBAI buddy, where you can give uh, a recurring donation, uh, a few dollars, a bunch of dollars, uh, every month, uh, very easy to set up. You can do it literally in minutes, and that comes with, uh, you can do it in the name of a program. Uh, and you can do that um, uh, so that you are always supporting WBAI uh you know, as you're listening throughout your day, throughout your week, but you know, no hassle. Just it's a it's a deduction uh, automatically. And once you get up to actually having contributed just twenty five dollars in a year, twenty five dollars in a year, literally. What what do you spend on on snacks during the week? What do you spend on uh, a movie ticket? Okay, for twenty five dollars for uh, the entire year, uh, you can become a voting member 
of WBAI. You can not just be a listener. You can be part of this station. You can influence uh, what kind of programming we hear. What uh, You can tell us what's important to you. What do you think needs to be done uh, for the community, for the listeners, uh, for the station. You can be part of this. So uh, give us a call. We really do appreciate every bit of support. 516-620-3602. Just starting your day, maybe getting ready to head into work. Uh, take a moment now. Just get online. WBAI.org literally takes just a few moments. Uh, you know, small, uh, small commitment of your time. Big, big difference to non-commercial listener supported radio here in New York. So, um, I want to, uh, speaking of uh, New York and uh, how closely we like to watch what's going on here, um, you know, one of the things that we really like to do at, at BAI is uh, talk about keeping an eye on not only what's going on in our communities, but uh, holding our leaders to account as far as how that's going and how far, uh, how well things are working or not working. Uh, government is here to work for us, not the other way around, as the, uh, the old saying goes. And uh, so... We have somebody here who's going to be joining us now uh, who knows quite a lot about that. Uh, I can vouch for this personally. Uh, as somebody I have worked with uh, for a very, very long time, many years. We were both reporters at one point at the New York Daily News. Uh, he has moved on to a brand new venture. Very happy to welcome Greg B. Smith of The City to the program. Uh, the City is a nonprofit news outlet that's dedicated to bringing us the kind of deep dive, serious local coverage that we really need right now. So, Greg has covered federal court, he's covered city hall, he's covered a lot of things, but you probably know him best uh, as the man whose investigative reporting over months and years led to major uh, exposés of stunning, stunning failures in New York City's public housing system, NYCHA. Uh, He's also the author of a number of books, including Made Men, The True Story of the Rise and Fall of a New Jersey Crime Family. So, hey, Greg B., glad to have you on the show. Well, you know a lot about me. I never, I never heard all of that stuff. Well, you know, I, 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 I'm sort of a reporter. I mean, maybe I'm not as good of a reporter as you, but you know, whatever. They let me, they let me near a happy, microphone occasionally now. Happy to be here. So, how are you liking it at the uh, city? I'm not this in season? Iowa, by the way. I'm standing in New York City. That's well, you know that. that's where I want you to be, because that, that's what we're going to talk. So, stay where you are. Don't move. But uh, well, first of all, seriously, how are you? We had uh, Jerry Hester. Uh, the man in charge uh, on the program, but uh, how's it going? How's it going? It's it's an interesting endeavor. We're trying to uh, cover a lot of the things that used to be covered a long time ago. When when I first started reporting in New York City back in 1989, before you were born, <laughs> uh, it was uh, it was a different. I'm saving that clip. Playing field. Right. There was just a lot more. There were a lot more teams out there. There were a lot more players out there, and we're just trying to we're trying to fill in the gaps that have emerged since the kind of slow deterioration of local news, not just here in New York City, all over the place, but oh. definitely here in New York City. Absolutely. I mean, and this is something that we've we've talked about uh, on a bunch of our programs. And look, I mean, as somebody who uh, uh, worked in a 
three-person bureau at one point for the Providence Journal. Uh, I started out in the, the Queens Bureau at the Daily News, then worked in a two-person bureau in uh, uh, scenic Albany, New York. I'm sure you remember those uh, those uh, fine years of my oh, existence. Yeah, yeah it was uh, uh, yes. you know, good times, right? All so, of that stuff's gone, right? Yeah, and that's the problem. So that's why we need you. So uh, glad that you're, uh, you're still out there. Uh, keeping an eye on these guys that's uh, that's what you do and that's what we uh tilting that... at windmills <laughs> uh i if you think if you ask some of the people who live in uh, nitra housing they would probably characterize it very very differently considering the the changes to the uh to the system that have come out of your reporting but okay enough with the butter already hey. so let me let me get on with this here because i do i do want to sure. get to this stuff so you know just as you said to your point you know you're not in iowa you're here and uh, a lot of uh, reporters i was uh, you know been on the trail a number of times for uh, different outlets covering presidential candidates and you really do get sometimes that kind of like flyover type 30,000 foot parachute whatever you want to call it view of the candidates and the issues are very broad it's it, you know it's it's healthcare it's criminal justice it's uh taxes you know writ large you know the kinds of things that people ask the candidates but the reason I want to ask you um about the uh the newborn uh, presidential campaign of uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio is that you have studied this guy and his administration for a long time. And I'm, uh, you know, very curious uh, to hear about the stories that you have uh, put together that kind of lay out his record versus what he's out there uh, making of his own record to potential voters in, say, Iowa or South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an odd phenomenon. The national press First, the first thing that I don't understand is that they kind of cut, they, t- they tend to drop into sports coverage when they start covering presidential elections, which is, you know, who's poll, how's this person polling versus how is this person polling, or how much money have they raised, who is electable. That's my favorite phrase. I don't know what that means. And it, the problem is that they don't want to bother with who is this person. And with de Blasio, Right now, he's not even registering anything, so it's it hasn't gotten to the point where they're they're not even looking at him yet. But if uh, it'll be interesting to see what they look at, and so what you have is a guy who is purports to be a progressive. He's talking about the working people, um, and he is touting these programs that he selectively mentions uh, from his uh, two terms now not quite two terms, at City Hall. And the problem is, if you haven't been traipsing around listening to this guy for seven years, actually before that, because he was here as public advocate, before that he was at the city council. Man, I covered him when he ran for speaker. He didn't win that race either, as a matter of fact, not to, not to, not to, right. not to rub it in or anything. But, uh, um, but, but yeah. it's like he, he has a real record. They all do. And it's the problem is a lot of a lot of it is just kind of don't bother with it because it's a little bit too much in the weeds, I guess. But it's important. I mean, it's really imp- it's important to know that when De Blasio gets up there and starts up about his paid sick leave thing, he's constantly talking about paid sick leave. What he doesn't mention is that paid sick leave was actually obtained by Gail Brewer. She's the one who fought for it. For years, yeah, remember that very Bloomberg. well. Yep. she was attacked. She got it. 
it was applied to companies that have at least 15 employees. So he comes in and he gets it reduced to companies that have at least five employees. So now he's walking around talking about how he is the one who got paid sick leave. Now, if you're, if you're not here in the trenches, you're not going to know something like that. Is that important? I think it is. I think it's important to know when somebody's taking credit for something that they didn't do. And that's one of the things that um, we're going to be doing at the city. The city is very much invested in truth-telling uh, as long as the de Blasio presidential uh, bandwagon is driving down the road. And, you no, know, today he's – I think he's off to Nevada today. <laughs> we're tracking. We're going to keep a uh, very careful eye on how many days he's in uh, outside of the 212-718 area codes mm-hmm. to just keep the New York City uh, 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 electorate informed about what they just voted for. And uh, actually, that uh, that leads me conveniently into uh, something else I wanted to uh, to talk about. And we had a little conversation about this on a, another program I do here uh, at WBAI called Driving Forces, where I uh, read some stories about you know uh, the deputy mayor right now, uh, Dean Fulahan, is uh, handling a lot of stuff while uh, while Mayor De Blasio is uh, on the trail and. You know, it's okay. Look, sometimes the the mayor is out of town or takes a break or uh, is on vacation or whatever it is. But uh, you know, you've written uh, with some specificity about the fact that he has what you would call uh, in your uh, in your piece, quote unquote, unfinished business. Uh, so I just want to ask you, you know, what's sort of potentially not getting done or being delayed or should we be watching while he is out in say Nevada? Sure. There's, I mean, what we tried to do at the city is to kind of go back and look at, in anticipation of the fact that he was going, that he was going to announce, we just went back and looked at all these promises that he made, and that we looked at the deadlines, and, and we found a bunch of these cases where he said he was going to do something, and he hasn't done it yet. And in, he's already, as, as you know, you're a, you're a reporter, you know that wonderful phrase, he's busted deadline, mm-hmm. a bunch of different things including the two things that I zeroed in on are um, the New York City Housing Authority. He was supposed to have picked a new chairman. Um, they, 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 he signed off on a deal back in January uh, that allowed the federal monitor to come in to start look, you know, really drilling down on what's going on over there. Right. And part of the deal was you pick somebody by March, and it's, we're headed towards June. And there's no chairperson. There's a, an interim, but there's no permanent person. So there's nobody really uh, responsible for driving the ship. That he and he's missed his deadline on that, and he keeps putting it off. And then the other part of it is he's supposed to um, announce a uh, big task force report on his wife's program to try to address issues regarding people with mental illness mm-hmm. under her program called Thrive New York City. Yeah. And when he announced this thing back in April of last year, not this year, they said we we're going to give a report in 180 days. Well, that came and went. And back in December, the task force got together and presented him 
and his wife with a report. That report has yet to see the light of day, so the taxpayers who pay for it can't read it. Uh, and he hasn't released that yet. Those are just two of the things. There's a bunch of other ones. There, there are homeless shelter promises that he's made. He's going to build 90 new homeless shelters. He's way behind on that. And the closed Rikers thing is another thing that's just kind of sitting there. They, they, in order to make that work, they have to have kind of satellite jails that are expanded in four of the five boroughs. And they've run into a brick wall on that in every single borough. So where is he? He's in Nevada today. And so it's very difficult to know how he, maybe he can do it by phone or he can text it. I don't know. I don't know. I was just, uh, I happened to be uh, in a nostalgic mood and I was thinking back to uh, the time that uh, former Mayor Mike Bloomberg probably was not able to text it in during the uh, Christmas blizzard of 2010. I could be mistaken about this. Yeah, when, he, when he was in Bermuda, you mean? I, that that could be the one, but I, there were some questions about uh, <laughs> what what was uh, going on there, and he uh, he insisted he was reachable. I, I would have to look back. Don't, uh, don't uh, hold me to this, but I think there may have been some uh, some heightened interest in finding that day's public schedule uh, uh, or not he finding He refused. That, that, that's Bloomberg did that a lot. He was because he would he was able to fly off to one of his. I, I, they're not even second homes, other homes, and to in Bermuda, like pretty much every weekend. And so when he in that, I remember that blizzard because it was crazy actually, and he refused to say where he was. That's different though. I mean, that's kind of like this this is a deliberate act this is i am not going to be here a lot because i'm going to run for president and i think that is a choice and he's made the choice and we all have to live with that so well when you say we all have to live with that that was going to be my next question which is uh is there any are, are there any sort of uh consequences uh, you know i mean i understand that okay the guy's running for president in all fairness he's not going to go to like you know uh, whatever Durham, New Hampshire, and be like, "Hey, we have a rat problem." I mean, he's going to say, "Like, look, I have all, I have this awesome pre-K program. I believe that uh, too many, you know, uh, there are certain people that have too much of the money, and things should be fairer. I believe in progressive values, and so on." Like, okay, I get that, but I mean, is there is there any sort of consequence? Is there any sort of challenge besides obviously the uh, the work of the press to say like? Listen, I understand being president would be awesome, but you do have a day job. Yeah, I mean, I guess we were all talking about the idea that this is New York City, and so it's it's a kind of a it's a roulette wheel here. You just never know where the where the thing is going to land, and on any given day, some outrageous thing could happen here. And it's it's one thing if he's down at City Hall or if he's over at the gym and. Park Slope, because he could probably get to, I say, a, a police officer is shot. Wh- how is that going to play out when he's standing in a cornfield where the cell service isn't so great? And I, I just don't know how much how much attention can you give to a job that is essentially a 24-7 job when you're doing another job that is not quite but pretty close to a 24-7 job. So I mean, it's just, it seems to me like a little bit of, a, of an overreach, but he's entitled to do this. And it's just up to us to kind of pay attention to 
what are the things that he should, he needs to be doing here while he's out there? And I I agree, but I would, and I think we can say in all fairness, of course, that uh, there are senators and governors and mayors that are are uh, similarly situated, that they too have uh, responsibilities in their districts or in Washington and so on, and they are stepping away from those in some cases or delegating uh, uh, authority in some cases in order to pursue that. So de Blasio is certainly not alone among candidates. Well, uh, South Bend, Indiana must be very upset about that, right? Well, you know, I don't know. The last time I heard, well, I, I was just thinking that uh, uh, Mayor Buttigieg did uh, stop by to uh, enjoy our uh, smoothly flowing traffic situation in uh, Queens, I believe. Uh, I think it was only an hour late. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, uh, just, just part of life's rich pageant living in in New York here. So, um, uh, I guess, you know, you've written a lot about you know not just sort of what the mayor is doing now in terms of his governmental power, but I, I remember you writing a ton about um, his involvement in fundraising and dealing with lobbyists, and there's some issues of 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 debt and so on. I certainly remember uh, the. Uh, uh, the controversy over uh, some camps, some campaign spending that was associated with the Working Families Party or an arm of the Working Families Party, and and so on. Um, you know, what what do you think voters need to know about that in terms of looking at him as a, a potential, sure. you know, candidate here? So uh, okay, so so this what has what's unfolded here is he has oh, since basically he arrived at City Hall. He has been um, enthusiastic about taking money from real estate people. That's, I think that's a relevant point because he talks a lot about how money is, is there's plenty, what is the phrase he uses? There's plenty of money out there. It's just in the wrong hands. That's the one. And so, so it's important for voters to know that he has spent a lot of time pushing the envelope as he takes as much money as he can from the real estate industry. And what he, that means is that he set up a not-for-profit called the Campaign for One New York, and he raised unlimited donations. So there were donations like most uh, state of New York. You can give a candidate within a general um, – within the entire election cycle, you can't give more than $4,950 to a citywide candidate in the city of New York. Right. He was taking donations of ten thousand, twenty thousand, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, hundred fifty, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand from single donors, and uh, these and many the, of the, these the donors, mechanism, the way around that, around the uh, the limits is to uh, besides it besides to a, opting not out, not for profit. Uh huh. So it's that, a, that he controls. And then, and then, so so the question is like, who is going to be giving him those checks? And most of the money that he raised for this thing came from people who had business before the city, including predominantly developers who need zoning changes to make their buildings bigger, or they want a tax break. They don't really like paying taxes, so they get the city to forgive them under this program or that program. And most of the money that he raised that way came from people like that. And so what we did at the city is we, I was, I was told about a 
an internal investigation by the city department of investigation that had looked into this question. And so I, under the freedom of information law, I requested this document, which they gave me Mm -hmm. after spending a lot of time with a black magic marker, censoring out parts of it. (laughs) And we wrote about this last month where they have found that he, they have substantiated the allegation that he violated city ethics rules. I think that's something that voters need to know about, and they wouldn't have known about it uh, without the press. It's not, it's a, this is a report. This is an official report of the city right. that was not released, was never going to be released. But it points out kind of the, the ethical issue that has consistently followed him around as he's raised money from these deep pocket donors while also talking about this kind of socialist spin money's in the wrong hands. So you need to know both of those things if you're going to, you know, really analyze whether or not you'd want to vote for this guy for president. You're listening to WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live on WBAI.org. This is Waking Up. I'm Celeste Katz. I am talking to investigative reporter Greg B. Smith of The City, a new uh, hyper-local news outlet that is uh, uh, doing some serious, serious digging uh, on uh, uh, mayor and uh, presidential hopeful uh, Bill de Blasio. So, uh, so Greg B., uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking you to go anywhere that you don't want to be as a uh, uh, as a reporter, as a you know, versus a commentator, but uh, you know, based on years and years of observing Bill De Blasio as a candidate, uh, legislator, a mayor, uh, you know, what's your sense of uh, either how qualified he might be to be president or how serious he is about president? Because well, you know, people mean, run for a know, lot of reasons. What, what's the job of president? What is the job? Uh, it's not really. Um, it's it's not like being the comptroller, right? It's not like you're not you're not sitting there like uh, getting into the weeds about every dollar that's spent, and it's not really. Uh, it's also not like like a senator is is much more of a policy kind of person. It is it is it's this weird combination of um, hands-on experience managing people but also combined with a vision, and it's all about vision. I think that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to comment at all on his vision. He has a vision. He does have a vision. He puts out there that he is a progressive and that he has this position that he's taken. I would take issue with some of the things he says about it, but he does have an actual uh, spin that he puts out there. It is un- it's un- Unfortunately for him, it's a spin that's very similar to other candidates who have embraced this. I mean, Bernie Sanders is, is the uh, – he, he was doing this a long time ago, and, and now everybody's trying to do it. So it's just – I mean, is he, is he, he's just probably as qualified as anybody else up there, um, although I have to point out that the population of South Bend, Indiana, is definitely not quite the population of New York City. So you have a, two different uh, – managers right there but i but i would say that you know if 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 you want if you want to run for president apparently anybody can run for president and uh you know i i the voters are we're, we're way way out right 
Yeah. I mean, this isn't going to happen for a long, long time. And this, so what, what we're talking about now, what we're looking at, this field, is just not going to look like this about eight months from now, I don't think. So, and and either way, obviously, I mean, no matter what happens and whether he ends up, because look, I mean, what if this is, this this could be, uh, uh, people run, I said, for a lot of reasons. He's term limited out, as, as you very well know. This is uh, the end of the line at uh, at City Hall. Maybe this is, uh, you know, he's... Uh, President of NYU. That's where he's headed. Oh uh, uh, yeah, you got you got you got money on that. You got uh, you got like a you got <laughs> no. a, a beer on that or something. Not money, but like you know, one of the uh, you know a, ge- a, ge- I mean, a gentleman's I mean, a gentleman's bet. He, he well actually he, he went to NYU undergraduate, so maybe Columbia because he went to uh, Columbia for for his master's in public something. I don't I'm not sure. I can't remember uh, exactly, but anyway, so. Sure, he has other options. There's other things to do. I'm, uh, I'm not worried about him. He'll be fine. I, uh, I, I never got the impression that you were worried about any public office holder in my life. I really, I really, uh, I, I never, uh, I never have. But um, Greg B. Smith, if people want to follow your work, which I always do, uh, and learn more about the city, uh, where can they go? Where should they look? Well. It's pretty simple, actually. We're a website, so you just go to thecity.nyc, and up in the corner, you'll see a little thing that says, follow us. And all it is is you just click on it and put your email in there, and every morning, um, Monday through Friday, you will get an email, which is kind of a newsletter of the main stories we're working on. So you can just click on a link and get whatever stories we're presenting that day and um you know we have a, a nice team over there who is uh assiduous about making sure that that newsletter has something new in it and and it's uh there's a lot of stuff to write about in new york city you know you ever notice that it's uh it hasn't <laughs> Odd, really oddly, oddly enough after what was it 15 and a half years at the daily news i occasionally found something to uh something to look into yeah i think it's uh it's it's uh you know Beats having a real job, as they say, right? Um, yes, you so got it. The uh, the pleasure has been ours. Greg B. Smith, investigative reporter for The City. Thank you for uh, hanging out with us here on WBAI. Happy to help out. Talk to you soon. And, uh, you know, again, one of the uh, the great things here about about WBAI is we get, you know, so many different perspectives. We get, uh, uh, you know, so many experts, people who really want to, uh, you know, lend their voices here uh, to uh, looking into stories past the headlines, looking past the tweets, looking past the uh, uh, the campaign commercials or the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, random websites, the blogs, whatever. We we rely on people who are, are serious about their uh, about their work, about their communities, about their role here at the uh, station. Uh, and uh, that is one of the many reasons why we ask for your support. Uh, look, we would uh, we, we are commercial free. We are non-corporate. We do not get tons of money from businesses or from the government. Uh, we rely on the people we serve. Quite literally, that means you, not uh, somebody who is not listening to this program right now, but you, if you are within the sound of my voice, we can always use your help. Give us a call, 516-620-3602, 516 
620-3602. It is as easy as that. It is as easy as going to WBAI.org or texting WBAI to 41444 on your smartphone. Uh, takes just a couple of minutes. Uh, you can get uh, uh, into the WBAI buddy program. We call that. That's when you give a recurring donation. Uh, it doesn't have to be a ton of money. Or you could start small. You could work your way up. Uh, and uh, not only do you get to feel good about supporting independent uh listener-supported, non-corporate radio uh, with a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different programs, but you also get a cool tote bag. And look, okay, it's like, uh, do I need a tote bag? Well, it's like if you want to stop using plastic bags and having those things uh, decorating every tree in uh, in New York City, then yeah, you know, tote bag, not a bad idea. Um, you also get some uh, special perks and uh, discounts through uh, some of our partners that are also interested in uh, supporting uh uh, non-corporate, non-commercial radio. So, uh, yeah, you know what? Give us a call. Do it. If you listen to a program, you have a program that you like, that you enjoy, uh, maybe in the evenings, early in the morning, whatever it is, just takes a minute. Help us out. 516-620-3602. And uh, I do want to add, by the way, uh, as we are getting ready to uh, connect with our, I believe, uh, our last guest, uh, we uh, do want to mention that I've done a lot of talking and our guests have done a bunch of talking uh, about the presidential campaign and specifically, you know, considering where we are, uh, about Mayor de Blasio running for president and some of the uh, the excitement there and the challenges there. And so uh, if anybody at uh, either City Hall or the campaign or both are uh, listening to this program, and I, I really hope you are. Uh, we would like to formally invite uh, Mayor de Blasio to uh, appear uh, either by phone or in the studio to talk about his presidential campaign, to talk about what, uh, you know, what he's doing to balance his role as, uh, as our chief executive and uh, his uh, desire to be our commander-in-chief. So, uh, uh, Mr. Mayor, uh, please... Uh, Get in touch with us. Uh, my email is uh, right in my Twitter bio. You can contact me directly. It's CelesteCats at ProtonMail.com, or you can just use Celeste at WBAI.org. That easy. I'd love to have you on uh, this program or on uh, Driving Forces, uh, the program I host with Jeff Simmons uh, Thursdays at 5 o'clock. Uh, we were uh, exceptionally happy to uh, have a moment to speak with the first lady, uh, Sherlane McRae, about uh, you know the excitement of... Uh, of what's going on and what she's doing in the city. We would uh, like to do the same with you. So, Mr. Mayor, uh, if you've got a moment, uh, please uh, get in touch with us. We would be more than happy to uh, to host you. And uh, uh, to be totally fair, uh, as well as uh, uh, your uh, competitors in uh, for the Democratic nomination for president. So uh, give us a call. And if you are listening to this one more time, uh, give us a call if you want to pledge your support for uh, serious and uh, varied and uh, community-interested, non-corporate radio programming. The number one more time, 516-620-3602. 516-620-3602. Uh, every donation helps us uh, provide uh continued programming, give you better sound, give you uh, better phone lines, give you a better experience, and really, really very much serve the community. A lot of the people here are, are volunteers, people who give their time to this radio station because they care about independent radio. 
I care about independent radio. I know how important, we were talking about this earlier in the program, how important it is to have free speech, especially, and to have serious uh, reporting and community-based reporting, especially at a time when there is a lot of, uh, frankly, unreliable information going around. You want to have a place that you can come to that you know and that you can trust and that cares about you, that doesn't, uh, doesn't, paint things in a really broad brush way that knows about you and your community that is speaking uh, directly to your interests the way I'm speaking directly to you right now. 516-620-3602. And uh, we are getting ready, I think, now. Um, I am excited uh, as we are uh, going to start wrapping up this uh, very special edition of uh, Waking Up here uh, to bring on our final guest. It is uh, uh, my pleasure to welcome Carrie Pickett to the program. She is a great congressional reporter, uh, somebody I've been lucky to be on the air with uh, quite a lot of times uh, as a co-host actually uh, at uh, SiriusXM. Uh, she's based in Washington and she is very often heard uh, reporting and giving analysis and commentary on SiriusXM's Patriot channel. That's channel 125. Uh, and she is here today to give us uh, some uh, some closing thoughts here on uh, a uh, yet another dramatic week in our nation's capital. So Pickett, welcome to uh, Waking Up. Glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Celeste. Um, so yeah, so let me just uh, let me just get to it uh, in terms of, uh, you know, you're the uh, you're my go to on on Congress. So uh, uh, Trump versus Pelosi versus, uh, you know, the rest of the planet here is this? Uh, are we at like a, a whole new level of, of angry? Or is this just sort of, you know, simmering average business as usual type of thing well i think it's um a little bit more 3d chess i, I think it's more uh, it's a pelosi uh, versus her caucus with her caucus versus each other mm. uh if you think of it that way because remember this sort of started off with um her caucus being divided as to whether or not they uh, should be impeaching Donald Trump, well, or even for that matter, whether or not they should just launch a uh, impeachment inquiry. And then uh, you have their caucus members saying, well, it's just an impeachment inquiry. We're not actually wanting to impeachment because one is different than the other, which essentially, you know, that's just semantics. Uh, and then uh, you have Nancy Pelosi trying to keep them together. So that was going on all this past week. There were various meetings uh, amongst her caucus going on. So Pelosi was was uh, trying to keep her caucus together this this entire time, and at the same time telling the public, "Oh no 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 no, we have a total legislative agenda going on. Don't look at all these impeachment talks going on. We are, we're all about the agenda. We're all about the infrastructure." Yeah, I was going to say, uh, it, it, how's that infrastructure week going for you? Is that working exactly. out? Am I, getting, am I getting like a new bridge or a road or something, at least? Exactly. We're all about all this uh, other stuff that we have going on, like a, like a, like a HR5, this, uh, this, this equality bill that, mm -hmm. we're, uh, that we're voting on. And it's very hard for the Democrats to, 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 to tell their voters that they have all this legislative stuff going on when the only thing – that people are essentially interested in hearing about is impeachment, especially especially their own base. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, uh, 
what you have at this last Democratic caucus meeting was they went in there to talk about impeachment because you have uh, mainly most of the Judiciary Committee members who want to have some sort of an impeachment inquiry, and they're trying to get all the other committees on board with impeachment. And Nancy Pelosi saying, look, if the if it's just the Judiciary Committee who wants to have impeachment and the other committee members are kind of like, mm, that kind of shuts them down. Well, then you know, Judiciary, other- of course, of course, I uh, just want to jump in because, uh, you know, uh, being led by uh, New York's uh, very own uh, uh, Congressman Jerry Nadler there. Right. So uh, local yes. local local interest story for uh, for us as well, whereas, uh, you know. Uh, where where he's at on that, but um, as far as the impeachment thing, you know, I mean, that's one thing I wanted to ask you about because, you know, I've seen some people saying, look, the Democrats have to go for impeachment. I mean, what are people going to say if they just if they let this opportunity, so to speak, get away from them? If you want to be politically cynical about it, or if you want to be, uh, you know, uh, if you want to be less cynical about it, just say. The guy needs to be impeached. I mean, somebody's got to make a move. Uh, But on the other hand, I mean, look, whether people like it or not, the Senate is still under Republican control. And that's, uh, you know, that's not looking like that makes impeachment essentially a non-starter, right? So we're we're kind of are we stuck here or what's up with that? Well, you see, this is the irony of it all. Yeah. Is that. The you know, 16 or t- actually to around 18 Democrats who gave the Democrats the majority mm-hmm. uh, in, in the lower chamber, they're the ones who essentially want nothing to do with impeachment. Th- these are these uh, moderate Democrats in these in these Virginia and in these California type seats that are sort of like, Ugh, you know, we're not these social justice warrior types. We are not. Uh, uh, it, the, we're not part of the base. We're the ones who flipped these Trump uh, won seats to become Democrats, and uh, and basically they're not the ones who are the AOCs. Basically, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. So they're the ones who are. Yeah, they're all, also the ones the that are going to potentially lose their seats in the next uh, in the next. If uh, exactly, if they end up uh, impeaching Donald Trump, so. You know, Nancy Pelosi knows this, and it's kind of like she's in a very similar place where she was back in 2010 when you had the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, going on. Mm -hmm. Because it was like where you had these moderate Democrats who are like, if I vote for the ACA, um, I could be risking my seat because I'm in a sort of red, blue, purplish sort of seat, and I have constituents asking me about it and what's going on. So. There is a very sort of deja vu going on right now for her. She's like, and I don't want to lose the majority. Party first, uh, not base first, as far as she's concerned. And um, as we uh, as we round out, and I I do appreciate you doing this because it's always good to just you know have a check in and see what you know government's actually doing besides just you know, people running for offices and so on. Uh, so just to, just to round it all up, uh, anything in particular I should be excited about for uh, next week, next couple of weeks, uh, one thing that I should uh, really be keeping an eye on? Next week, Congress is out. So definitely look for town halls, 
look for uh, members of Congress who could be screamed at by their constituents. People will be on the campaign trail, so definitely watch for that. Okay, and Carrie Pickett of SiriusXM, where can people look for uh, more of your work in audio and in writing on your perhaps your cool website, which I do like? That's right. Just go check out CarriePickett.com. That's K-E-R-R-Y-P-I-C-K-E-T. Or you can go to SiriusXM, Patriot125, or DailyCaller.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Carrie Pickett, a pleasure as always to have you here with us on WBAI. Sure. Okay, so uh, that is almost going to round up this uh, special edition of Waking Up here on WBAI. I'd like to thank today's uh, guests. Uh, We had Rick Klein of ABC News, uh, Brian Rosenthal of the New York Times, Greg B. Smith of The City, and just now Carrie Pickett of SiriusXM Radio. This program, of course, wouldn't have been possible without our associate producer right here, Alana Levinson, our engineer, Michael Haskins, and our program director, Linda Perry. We have Democracy Now! coming up uh, at 8 o'clock, so just after a few announcements. uh, We will be back on the air with you with uh, more great programming. Thank you again for uh, supporting our our continued effort to bring you listener-supported, non-commercial, non-corporate radio. I will be back with you on Monday between 6 and 8 a.m. and Juliana Forlano will be back with you on Tuesday. Always a pleasure to be on the air with you here. For WBAI New York, I'm Celeste Katz.
Mavis Staples. Anita Franco. Railroad Earth. The Whalers. The Mammals. Tom Chapin. Tom Paxton. And Margot Thunderbird. Are just a few of the many performers at the Clearwater Festival on June 15th and 16th. At Croton Point Park on the Hudson River. You can get a full weekend pass and support WBAI at the same time with a $95 donation. That's the early bird price that's not available anywhere else but here on WBAI. Call 516-620-3602 or go to www.give2wbai.org and put Clearwater in the search box. See you at the festival. Hi, this is Tony Roberts, and you're listening to WBAI in New York, the voice of truth since 1960. Highway 16, where did our sisters go? Highway 16, where did our sisters go? Seems like nobody cares, nobody cares, nobody knows. Say hello, this is John Kane from Let's Talk. On Thursday, May 30th at 7.30 p.m., I will be screening Wind River at the Brooklyn Commons at 388 Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Wind River is a major motion picture starring Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen that dramatizes the tragedy that is missing and murdered indigenous women. Come join us for the film and for a conversation. The event is free, but donations for WBA are always welcomed and encouraged. That's Wind River, Thursday, May 30th at 7.30 p.m. at the Brooklyn Commons. Mark your calendars for a special event with Tom Hartman, that's me, and WBAI's Leonard Lopate on my new book, The Hidden History of Guns and the Second Amendment. Don't miss the brutal role guns have played from the enforcement of slavery, Native American genocide, to post-Civil War racism, and the solutions we can put into place now to stop gun violence in America. It's Saturday, June 8th from 7 to 9 p.m., $40 plus you get a free book. Come hear me interviewed by Leonard Lopate. The Hidden History of Guns and the Second Amendment at the Commons, 388 at Atlantic Avenue in New York City. A $40 ticket will include the event and a book. There'll be a Q&A afterwards, so bring your questions. Get your tickets at give2wbai.org. That's give2wbai.org. And you can also call to get tickets at 516-620-3602. That's give2wbai.org. Or call 516-620-3602. I look forward to seeing you there and tag your it. The Apollo Theater, Baltimore Center Stage, and Congo Square Theater Company, in association with the Mosaic Theater Company, presents Twisted Melodies, a Donny Hathaway story. This powerful one-man show is based on the life of 70s soul singer and composer Donny Hathaway. Set to moving music, it is an immersive and engaging play about the brilliant musician who faced deep interpersonal struggles. The music of Donny Hathaway is loved by many, and memories of his creative gifts remain in our hearts. Written by and starring Kelvin Roston Jr., directed by Derek Sanders. The work runs Thursday, May 30th to Sunday, June 2nd. It's a production you won't want to miss. For information, ApolloTheater.com.